This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Show with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan Peters, and you're listening to the Parent Footprint Show, a weekly broadcast where our mission is to make the world a better place, one parent and one child at a time. At Parent Footprint, we believe the key to raising happy, healthy, and engaged kids is for parents to be happy, healthy, aware, and engaged themselves. Each week, our show will teach parents, families, educators, and caregivers how to parent with purpose and to leave their best footprint for the next generation. We'll talk to top parenting experts, doctors, therapists, authors, and of course, parents to gain information about how to parent with increased awareness and how to be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint on our children. Welcome to today's show where the topic is Raising Creative Kids. We are going to be talking with Dr. Susan Daniels, my good friend and colleague. Dr. Daniels is co-founder and educational director of the Summit Center, as well as professor of educational psychology and counseling at California State University, San Bernardino. At Summit Center, Dr. Daniels provides differentiated education plans for children and adolescents and consults to help kids reach their potential in the classroom and life. Dr. Daniels is an internationally recognized expert in the field of gifted education and creativity with numerous publications and presentations at educational and psychological conferences. She specializes in the social and emotional development of gifted children and adolescents, intensity and sensitivity of gifted individuals across the lifespan, and the development of creative potential. Susan is co-author of Raising Creative Kids, which I've had the privilege of doing with her, and co-editor and co-author of an amazing book called Living with Intensity. Susan, welcome to the Parent Footprint Show. How are you? Hi, Dan. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. I. The first question I'd like to ask you is, how did you get into creativity and why Has nurturing creativity in children become your life's work? Well, you know, Dan, I was thinking about that, and there are several um, markers along the way in my adult development, but it took me back to my own childhood. And um, I grew up in a a blue-collar neighborhood, um, you know, solid home, but, but not a lot of resources. And I have to give credit to my mother, Um, She recognized creativity in me. I passionately loved theater, and she took me to um, a professional, a a dinner theater that had professional children's theater on the weekends. And I really want, I I performed in um, school plays, and I got this idea that I really wanted to perform in these plays at what was called the Drury Lane Theater. So she helped me 
put together a resume, a notebook paper, with a photo booth picture and a list of the plays that I had been in at the school and a cover letter. And I sent it off, and about three weeks later, I was home from school because it was spring break, and my mom said, oh, I'm going to say I'm going to say this. Don't ever call me this. My mom said, Susie, (laughs) 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 Vernon Schwartz is on the phone. And I knew who Vernon Schwartz was because I read the playbills backwards and forwards. I said, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, what, what, what? And she said, he's um, he's talking about auditions. He wants to know how tall you are. I said, well, how tall does he want me to be? And she said, come (laughs) on. I said, no, no, I could wear your high heels or I could slouch. And so to make a long story short, she took me to the theater for a reading and an audition the next day. And here I was, an 11-year-old, living on the south side of Chicago, you know, pretty near an area of industrial, you know, stuff. And I started doing professional theater when I was 11. Um, And we now know in research that having those extracurricular activities and those passions um, lead to success and happiness later in life. So it really was a crystallizing and very significant moment for me. That's a great story and so appropriate to what we're talking about today with raising creative kids. Your mom Mm -hmm. helped get you that opportunity, which set the course for your life. Right. Creativity has been a huge part of my life. This creativity, we've discussed this a lot. People use creativity a lot. They use the term a lot. Um, We like that it's being used a lot. We like that people are using it in business and trying to use it in school. But what actually does it mean? What is creativity? Well, you know, it's a fuzzy concept, and it's a little hard to nail down. And there are many um, slightly different perspectives and definitions. But the definition that I go back to most often um, comes from Howard Gardner, who some people may recognize as the founder of multiple intelligence theory. Well, before he did that work, he was a creativity expert and continued to be. And his uh, definition is that uh, creativity is the ability to solve problems or fashion products that are both novel, and purposeful. And he, he elaborated that and, and spoke to the need um, for not just novel, but purposeful. He said, you know, I could stand on my head and give the rest of my talk, and that would certainly be novel, but it wouldn't necessarily be purposeful. But, you know, there's a contextual element, too, because when I'm teaching undergrads, and sometimes I see, you know, the, maybe I've been talking a little too long, which I try not to do. I try and have activities If I stood on my head and continued giving a little mini-lecture, it probably would be purposeful because everybody would go, what the heck is she doing, and pay attention, you know? So anyhow, that's that's the working definition that I'll use, and I think it's the one that's most adaptable across ages and across domains. But to really understand creativity, Dan, we need to talk about the four C's of creativity, and I'd like to to touch on those briefly, if you don't mind. I love the four C's. I think they're, they're critical in helping parents look at where, what does this continuum of creativity look like? Right. So I'm going to start with the, the boldest, uh, most obvious form of creativity, and we call that big C creativity. 
that's eminent creativity, like Leonardo da Vinci. And recently in one of my presentations, I included Lucille Ball, of all people. Isn't that an interesting pairing, Leonardo da Vinci and Lucille Ball? But you know what? They, they would make an interesting painters. couple. Mm-hmm. I know. Just, that would be an interesting dinner yeah. to have them, too. <laughs> but anyhow, they, um, they were game changers. They changed the field. So big C creativity is eminent creativity. Then there's professional creativity, which means you go to work every day and you're producing in some creative way. You know, now, everyone might be creative in their work. Like, for instance, I had a conversation with a pediatric neurosurgeon who said, yeah, creativity was very important to her work because she went through the surgery in her mind over and over and over again, but if she encountered something she didn't expect, she better be able to respond flexibly and creatively. But there are there are careers that are predominantly about creativity, and in the world that we're in today, those careers are increasing um, on a, you know on an ongoing basis. Um, then there is a little C creativity, which is planful creativity, and oftentimes that's project based. You know, it's a, an individual's project. Um, you're uh, creating something out of wood. You're doing a play at school. Um, it's got a plan to it, and it's got an outcome and a product. As you know, one of the types of creativity that I'm most interested in is mini-C creativity or everyday creativity. And as an aside here, we should, I should say that Piaget, who was an eminent child developmentalist in the 20th century, said that all learning is creative. And if you think about it, it fits our definition. If a child's learning something, then what they're learning is new to them, meaning it's novel. And if it's productive learning, then it's purposeful. So mini C can can include play, dabbling, um, being flexible, learning new material. It's it's uh, as you know, one of my colleagues talks about micro moments of creativity. There doesn't have to be any huge planning or special supplies necessary. It's about looking at things differently and responding with a zest and a passion and an imagination in the moment. Well, and for our listeners, particularly our listeners that have younger children, they're really living in um, mini C and little C, right? That's that's on the continuum. Those are the things that they might be experiencing or seeing every day from their kids? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I just did a couple of presentations at a conference with um, uh, some new material. And, it's not, and not all of it was new, but some of it was just um, reframing some of the things that you and I have talked about before. And that's that I, I had several pictures of kids just doing stuff, you know, and, and um, one of the things that we've talked about is that young children are naturally creative. They, they explore, they wonder, they design, they craft, they pretend. Pretend is huge. Pretend implies, what if? How about if I do this? Could we do this? My, what might it look like if I turn it upside down? You know, and so they're very naturally involved in creativity. Unfortunately, um, though, that there's been consistent research that about fourth grade, creati- creativity tends to dwindle. We don't know the reason for that exactly, uh, but we think it's it's twofold. One is the kids become more self-conscious just developmentally with the way their brains and their social interactions are going. 
And then the other is the curriculum becomes a lot more um, rigid and doesn't have the um, early childhood methods that somewhat naturally encourage creativity. You know, and something you and I have talked about a lot, particularly when we were um, thinking of writing the book, was my, you were teaching me about the vast world of creativity when, when my world of creativity or my thought about creativity was, oh, it's coloring and it's painting, you know, and it's arts and crafts. And right. particularly this these days, I think if you can say a little something to our parents and our listeners of like the vast and varied ways that we seek kids exhibit creativity it's 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 vast yeah well you know and one of the things we talked about is um so what does creativity look like in kids is it kind of universal or are there different kinds and my response to that has to be both and you know i think there's sort of a yeah we in intelligence theory we used to talk about g which was like a general intelligence and then there were specific areas of intelligence i think that sort of applies with Creativity. I think there's a sort of general creativity, and then there's specific creativity. In other words, all, most forms of play and imagination and invention and design have creative aspects to it. But creativity can also be honed and focused um, by specific area or domain. And you may have some kids who are really interested in um, understanding design and building and et cetera, and they may be interested in um, engineering or architecture, right? Um, you may have some kids who are interested in devising experiments, um, some kids who love writing story, writing and illustrating stories. We've had a number of those kids come to all of these kids come to um, Summit Center, but I know, you know, one of our young clients came every week with a different illustrated book as a gift, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And there are, and there are, there, it's interesting, you know, some of the profoundly gifted kids that we've worked with who also had uh, creative talents, you know, I'm thinking of one young man who was extraordinarily talented at playing high levels of piano music, but he wasn't particularly creative. Whereas there was another young woman who was technically really good, you know, very advanced, but she was also loved jazz and loved improvising, you know. So there are some there there are some aspects of creativity that apply across different areas, but they manifest in different ways depending on um, where it's being applied. Does that make sense? It does. And, you know, parents are asked to focus on so many things these days, right? Focus uh-huh. on school, focus on sports, focus on social life. Why is it important for parents to be aware of creativity and, and, and cultivate creativity in their children? Okay, well, you know what? I didn't realize this when we were looking at questions before, Dan, but you really set that up well with the phrase, aware of creativity, um, because one of the things that we know about people, first of all, there are two kinds of people in the world. No, I'm just kidding. But there are, there's a lot of between, but let's, let's say there are kids who just kind of seem to come wired to be really strong, divergent thinkers and very imaginative, and they're kind of just innate creative beings. And then there are other kids who dabble and or can learn and be fostered to be more creative. And one of the things that we know about creativity 
is that people who are most naturally creative are very aware of creativity, both in themselves and in the world around them. And that's something that can happen innately, but it's also something that can be fostered. So like, for instance, if you've got a child who's really interested in nature and his parents, you take them on nature walks, you know, every week or once or twice a month, and you take a field book with you and you stop and you identify the different flora and fauna, you're nurturing that passion and that ability in um, loving the environment. Well, if, you're, if you as an adult are aware of creativity and, um, you know, the, the nature of creativity and you notice creativity in the environment and you maybe even spend some time developing your own creativity, then you're bringing it to your child, you're bringing it into the realm of your family, and it's a more natural way to nurture creativity and likely enhance the creativity of your kids and yourself. So awareness mm-hmm. is key, Dan. That's my point. Awareness of creativity is key. And you don't have to be an expert in creativity to see things around you that are creative and to go, look at that, that's a cool invention. I wonder who thought of that. How is that made? Why is that designed that way? What if it was something different? You know? So you're saying you're saying that encouraging creativity then does require parental awareness. Like you have to be looking at it or have it as a goal, as a parenting goal? I believe so. I mean, Dan, parents have been parenting kids for years without necessarily having explicit instruction and like our book, Raising Creative Kids, but it sure helps. You know, parents can innately kind of be inclined to uh, support their their children in their ideas and in their desires for building or constructing or creating. But the more that we know about creativity, the more we can do to nurture it in ourselves and our children and just enjoy it in in the world around us. And... There are characteristics of creativity. You said one of them is that creative people are actually aware of creativity, which sounds interesting. But like, so they, they actually are aware of it. What are other characteristics that parents should look for or might notice in creative kids? Sure, um, independent thought. That's a oh, they don't key. like that though, right? Independent thought, doing things their own well, way. Yeah. Well, wait till you hear my next few. Okay, so I've got independent thought. Insight, as in ahas. Oh, look at that. This could be like this. Let me try that. Novelty, which was in our uh, definition, and it's a form of independence, wanting to do things differently. And then, you know, a significant imagination. And so these are wonderful characteristics, and they can really be annoying to parents and teachers. (laughs) Yes. So my sort of punchline about that is, You want to facilitate kids with testing boundaries, pushing boundaries, trying things differently, and you're the parent and you get to say, "Mm, no, not so much, we're not going to do that one, you know, if that makes sense. Um, So we want to positively nurture independence and novelty and imagination, provide environments that allow for positive expression of those qualities. You're bringing up a really good point. So 
creativity can have positive um, and, and manifest in a positive way or a negative way. It's still creativity, right? So when you when I think of when you see these kids who are being creative, but it's not necessarily in positive ways, rather than just dropping the hammer and punishing and consequences, we might want to couple that with um, sort of turning the ship a little. Yeah, redirection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, example that comes to mind for me is graffiti. Right. You know, and graffiti, for most, from most people's perspectives, would be considered destructive. But there are some kids that are incredibly talented graffiti artists. You know, another example you talk about, I'm thinking, um, which I know ended up being um, very big C in a big way, is uh, Jim Carrey. But before he was big C, he had to be in school, which was interesting, right, for, oh, Carrey, for people around him. Jim yeah. Carrey was a, was a very difficult student. <laughs> yes. And there was, uh, there, there was a plan in place to really control his behavior. And, I, and his, this was a short version, his homeroom teacher said, look, I, you know, I want you to be able to stay in your regular classroom and stay here and be with me, but, um, and, and, I, and I'm willing to, um, you know, set things up for you here. I, I'd like to offer you, offer you homeroom on Fridays for the Jim Carrey show, but the rest of the week you need to, you need to pull it together. So that's a very brief story of how it went, but the the, the story story goes that it did it did go it worked and you know we know what it led to, um, and we can certainly see if we look at some of our more especially I think especially I think those who do physical comedy you know who are really expressive with their bodies and you know doing gags and strange acts and the like that can be a, that can be a real challenge at home and at school. Um, but again, I don't think you want to eradicate it. I think you want to negotiate with with it and with your child to find a positive outlet. So, what would you say is is the hook for parents to to why focus on creativity? How does it enhance their child's life and their family's life? What's the hook? Well, you know, there's been a a plethora, there's been just a growth of research on creativity. And there's a book called um, The Creativity Cure, and it's written by a psychiatrist who's married to an orthopedic surgeon who specializes in the hand. And he did research on, and just as part and parcel of his work, the need to make, the need to use your hands in purposeful activity to create something. And so their book is about how being creative enhances well-being in everyone. And there's been a lot of uh, research in positive psychology that indicates that creativity as a part of development aids overall healthy uh, and positive development. So, and for parents, there's research that Engaging in creative activity throughout our lifetime expands and increases the quality, expands our longevity and increases the quality of our lives. So we can't be doing anything but good in nurturing this in our children. So it's actually healthy, 
Nurturing creativity is healthy, is what you're saying. It is. It is. And one thing I want to make sure that I, I get is, you know, get to here is you asked about how a parent can foster creativity. You asked one thing, and of course I can't just say one thing. <laughs> so I, I want to know I, one thing. I want to know no, one no, thing. I, it is one thing. I fixed it. It's, I have a three-part okay. approach. I have a uh-huh. You approach always find a way to make things thing. more complex. That's right. Go for Creative it. People like to make things more complex. So first of all, being aware of creativity and embracing novelty. That's one thing. Second thing is offering choices and opportunities. Asking the child what they want to do. Having uh, creative play dates for families. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? What are we going to try? And last but not least, if it's possible anywhere in the house to have like a studio-type workspace where there are materials that can be used for art, for science, for building, for design, for writing, for, you know, whatever sparks um, the child's or children's interests. I love the idea of choice. That really is now we're hitting on... um different parenting models, right? How much choice do we give kids? And maybe this goes back to what we're finding in schools as kids get uh, through the grades, more and more through the grades, second, third, fourth, they actually have more or less and less choice of what they're doing and more and more standards and expectations. That's right. And that's why we think we see that dip by fourth grade. So since the kids aren't getting choices in school, it's more paramount that they they get real choices at home. You know, not are, are you going to clean the living room or do your homework first? But real choices about real work and, uh, and um, activities that they want to do. So are you saying that if one is to foster creativity and give choice, does one need to be able to deal with uh, messes and ambiguity? Yes, the exploration and the invention and the... Uh, try-out and try-on aspects of creativity do tend to be messy. And so we need to be able to tolerate a bit of a mess and tolerate some ambiguity and also, when it's appropriate, ask that our kids clean up because creativity doesn't mean necessarily, you know, leaving, leaving the state of disarray. <laughs> I think parents would appreciate the second part for sure. Yeah, if you can confine it to like a stu- like I said, like a studio workspace, you know, where they know they can go and make messes, that's awesome. Okay, well, it's now the time for this part of the show where we ask our guests for their parent footprint moment. And the parent footprint moment is thinking back on a time where you became aware of something about yourself or your parenting situation with your child. And because of that awareness, your child benefited. Yes, I'd like to speak to that very much. So, you know, I'll admit, I was a single parent, um, not always, but from the time my son was about seven. And I was working on a Ph.D., and I was working um, in the schools as well. So I would come home, and I'd be all about cooking dinner, but my head was somewhere else sort of processing my day. Well, my son would come home, and he, he was very extroverted and very chatty. Ah, da, 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 da. And then, da, da, da. and how about, and I'd say, you know, Devin, Mommy just needs to focus on dinner right now. Can you just sit down for 10 minutes, and let me finish this, and then you can have my undivided 
attention. And a light bulb went on for me because I realized, you know, what's important here? My son really wants to talk to me about what's important to him. And I managed to center myself, a little moment of meditation, and sit down and be with him. And that was good for his stress levels. He'd come home kind of, you know, wired after school, and we'd talk about different ideas he had. And we did the same thing around his creativity. When he had a big aha idea, I would make time to sit down and be thoroughly present with him and go, oh, think of that, and how are you going to do this, and what are you going to do next? So I asked him questions rather than saying, oh, that would be great. Why don't you do this or do, do that? You know, it's, I made myself available to listen so that he could talk through his ideas. And I think the key part of that, which is totally aligned with the mission of Parent Footprint, is you became aware in the moment that you needed to be present for him. That's absolutely and right. From, I agree with that completely. From that awareness, it allowed you to ask all the questions, focus on him, and actually do what you are an expert in is actually cultivate his development and his creativity because you actually had time to see where he was at and to ask him questions so he could be guided on his own exploration and share his life with you. And so often, if we just look to the children, they give us indicators. They know what they need next. Not always, but often, you know? Susan, thank you for sharing your expertise with us. You are truly an expert in creativity, and it is so important how you talk about nurturing creativity is healthy. It, 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 it supports wellness across the lifespan. That's Thank right. you very much for being a part of the show. For you listeners who want to learn more about Dr. Susan Daniels, to learn about her books, her presentations, her trainings, and the new book that she's working on about visual teaching and learning, you can find her at www.insightresources.org. And to access her to learn more about her consulting services for creativity and creative plans for students, children, and families, you can reach her at www.summitcenter.us. Thank you for listening to the Parent Footprint Show with Dr. Dan. The show is sponsored by Parent Footprint. To learn more about Parent Footprint, please go to www.parentfootprint.com. To contact us, you can contact us at podcast at parentfootprint.com. And as we will leave you to go out into the world with this one question, what footprint do you want to leave?